It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. Welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone podcast. This is PJ. Hope Week 11 went good for you as you continue your playoff push. Or maybe not if you're a Keeper Dynasty League, you're getting that better draft position. You know, that's how it goes some years. But hopefully best of luck to you here. We're going to try to help you out best we can. Week 12 matchups coming up. Joe Bartle from rotowire.com just in a couple minutes to help break it all down. First, want to go over some uh, matchups coming up this week. Some guys you might want to take a look at. Now, again, these might be on the cusp of maybe getting in your flex spot, wide receiver three or two line, running back two line, but trying to help you out with some of these numbers. Some of these guys pretty proven the last couple weeks, and that might help you make that decision on whether you're sitting them or starting them this week. We're going to start off with the Indianapolis Colts in their backfield. Changes now with Marlon Mack, that injury to him. He is officially out this week as they take on the Texans. So the guy you want is Jonathan Williams, and he had a career-high 147 scrimmage yards last week. Again, 116 on the ground, 31 through the air. It was his first career game with 100-plus rush yards last week. So Jonathan Williams, very popular name. If he's still out there, you might want to grab him. But again, uh, look for him, and I'd say you know give him a go this week against this Texans defense, which is allowing some yards this year. So again, Jonathan Williams for the Colts might be a positive start for your backfield if you need some help this week. The Buccaneers' backfield, we're going to start with this in this matchup with the Falcons. They have been kind of surprising the last couple weeks. Ronald Jones, he's had a rush TD in two of the past three games. Peyton Barber had his second career touchdown catch last week. He had 106 scrimmage yards, uh, 82 on the ground, 24 receiving in their last road meeting as well. So again, Jones and Barber, they're starting to put up some decent, consistent numbers that we didn't see coming into the season. So they are gaining more confidence as the year is going on and uh, more fantasy favor as well for that Buccaneers backfield. Now on the other side of things, look for Matty Ice, Matt Ryan to have a huge game for the Falcons this week. Last week, passed for 311 yards. He only had that one touchdown, zero interceptions though in that game. However, he passed Hall of Famer Warren Moon for the 10th most passing yards in NFL history, and he became the second player in NFL history with 60-plus games of 300-plus yards in his first 12 seasons. He has 300-plus yards in five of his last six versus Tampa Bay. He has 1,403 pass yards and eight TDs and an interception for a 115.7 rating in his past four at home versus Tampa Bay. You guessed it, it's at home. Bank on Matt Ryan once again to have a huge game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he still might be available in some leagues. I know I just picked him up off the waiver wire. You know, people are struggling with that 3-7 and seven record with the Falcons, but it's not Matty Ice's problem in fault. He has really been putting up some good fantasy numbers this year. So if he's out there, grab him, start him this week for Matt Ryan. As we look at the Bengals and Steelers matchup this week, something to watch is rookie Deontay Johnson for the Steelers. He had a career-high six catches, 77 receiving yards, and a touchdown in the Week 4 meeting against the Bengals. That might have to happen again with Juju still looking like he's going to be out with the concussion protocol and the other injury as well that he suffered in that huge collisioning against Cleveland. So Deontay Johnson could have a huge game 
for the Steelers this week, as well as James Washington. Look for him. Vance McDonald as well had seven catches for 68 receiving yards in uh, his last meeting against Cincinnati, one of his best games of the year as well. So it could be a good game for Vance McDonald. We've been waiting for him to have a huge breakout game. Maybe this is it in this spot. Joe Mixon for the Bengals. Okay, he has steadily been improving the last couple weeks. Had 103 scrimmage yards, 86 rushing yards, 17 receiving, and a rush TD last week. He has a TD now in three of his past four games and has 80-plus scrimmage yards in two of his past three versus Pittsburgh. So this aims for his third in a row at home versus the division opponent with 150-plus scrimmage yards. So Mixon is finally getting it going after struggling early on in this season. We got the Panthers and the Saints, and in this matchup, DJ Moore, he has been very consistent. Uh, eight receptions for 95 yards last week. Now he's aiming for his fourth in a row with seven-plus catches and 90-plus receiving yards. He's uh, one of two NFC wide receivers with Michael Thomas with seven-plus receptions in six-plus games so far this year. So DJ Moore really starting to turn things on, as well as uh, you know Drew Brees. He just continues it. Now, the passing yard numbers, they're down a little bit, but the TD numbers were there. Again, 228 yards, three TDs, zero interceptions last week. In his past seven at home, though, versus Carolina, he has 2,349 pass yards. That's an average of 335 per game. 22 TDs and five interceptions. He has a 100-plus rating in nine of his past 10 home games against the Panthers. So Drew Brees likes to light up the Panthers. That could be another favorable matchup. Even though the passing yards have been down for Drew the last couple games, could be a big bounce back for him this week. And in another big matchup, the Cowboys and the Patriots. Uh, Michael Gallup for the Cowboys had a career-high nine receptions, 148 yards last week. He has uh, receiving touchdowns in two of his past three games. He's really starting to come on as Zach Prescott is finding him. Randall Cobb as well, 115 receiving yards and a TD in Week 11. He aims for his third in a row with 100-plus yards and a receiving touchdown. So that's kind of the streak Randall Cobb's on right now. So look for that. Randall Cobb, Gallup, they both could be in for another big game against the Patriots. Yeah, it's that tough Patriots defense. But Dak is finding them so far. And on the Patriots side of things, James White, he's kind of been under the radar all season long, but don't let this sneak by you. He has had 45-plus receiving yards in six of the past seven games. He aims for a fifth in a row at home with four-plus catches. And again, since 2015, he leads running backs and catches with 291, receiving yards with 2,561 and he has 20 receiving touchdowns. So, yeah, it's been a quiet start for James White. It might be a little difficult to put him in your lineup, but with some of the guys on bye weeks now, with some of the big uh, running backs out this week, you might want to sneak him in. He might have a favorable matchup against that Cowboys defense. Send your sit or start questions into the zone on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. Welcome back in Fantasy Football Zone. Joe Bartle, rotowire.com, joins us. And Joe, here we go again. Another kind of difficult bye week here with some of the big names out this week. I, I tell you, the last couple weeks, it's been a little challenging. I know for me personally, filling some of these big spots with uh, some of the big names in fantasy out the last two weeks. Yeah, this is the, the final real stretch of bye weeks. Of course, we had uh, what six teams two weeks ago, four yeah. teams this past week. And then we have... Cardinals, so Kyler Murray, whatever yeah. running back you feel comfortable using for the Cardinals. Yeah. You have the Chargers, which is at least four or five starters there. The Chiefs, again, Patrick Mahomes, one of the top picks. And with the running back situation, maybe with the injuries, Monday might be a blessing disguise. But there's still a number of guys, and also the Vikings, too, with yeah. Kirk Cousins kind of coming into viability as an option. Certainly Delvin Cook. Kyle Rudolph has emerged as that maybe lower-tier tight end uh, starting format kind of guy. And 
yeah, this is this is a big week. There's a lot of uh, a lot even defenses as well that you'd, you'd be considering to start too. So it's it's a tough one. Uh, and, and really, this is the final week again that you have to navigate more bye weeks uh, and, and to be proactive in terms of trying to plan out what your roster is. Now, hopefully, you've had you know ample time and a few roster spots in order to do so. If you're like my lineups where I'm clinging by whatever threads I possibly can for a playoff spot, it might have not been possible, and you're going to have to get by and hope for a critical win. And we'll see if we can do that on the show. And, and you know me, I I was the guy who drafted AJ Green. I held on to him, and the final bye week here, I had to let him go. Crept you're about in. twelve weeks too late on that I, one. Exactly. That, that. <laughs> the thought has crept in finally to me that he, it's not going to happen for him, and I had to pick up Darius Slayton. So I'm like, uh, I got to go that way. Yeah, and and I like Darius Slayton quite a bit. Now it's a tough matchup this week against the Bears, but I actually talked about it with my co-host, Jake Lutarski, on the Tuesday World Aware podcast where we identify a lot of free agents to pick up. Uh, and I said, this is this is probably the week where you can get Gary Slayton cheap. Of course, the Giants just came up by. Mm-hmm. They're what you would imagine, at least last year, to be a difficult spot against the Bears' defense. And maybe Evan Ingram comes back and Sterling Shepard comes back and Saquon Barkley is also healthy. And that's three more weapons that probably take away from Slayton. But if any one of those guys is out, you're talking about a guy that at least is one of the fastest players on the Giants offense, seems to have a repertoire with Daniel Jones, and is in an offense that, frankly, seems to only be able to move the ball passing, which is crazy to think about. Saquon Barkley was, of course, the number one overall pick and, and well worthy of that role, in my opinion. But he hasn't quite lived up to that, and there are some injury concerns. And at least it sounds like from the outside, there's talk that maybe he gets shut down. Certainly Saquon doesn't think that that's necessary. But all of this is to add up saying Darius Slayton is, is well worth the pick. And again, should have been on your team before A.J. Green for the last 12 weeks now, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, it should. And, and that kind of leads into kind of our buy talk because, you know, he was coming off a of buy, so you probably didn't know how to treat him or how to roster him. But, yeah, you look at this Bears matchup. But even on Sunday night, yeah, I think the play got called back, but uh, they were burned deep on some big plays. I know Cooper Cup had a touchdown call back, but they've been suspect here on some of the deep balls. So, I mean, if the Giants can keep it rolling here, and uh, he's proven here with his production the last couple of weeks that uh, he could be a good commodity down the stretch. Yeah, I, I'm not convinced the Bears' defense is, you know, this this world beer that we saw last mm-hmm. year. And this is, again, reinforcing the point that really should be banged into everybody's fantasy heads at this point. Don't draft a defense earlier than the 8th, ninth, 10th round. Like, Thank don't you. draft a defense around that point because it's statistically – they don't continue to replicate. Now we've had one guy uh, that works for Rotoware, Chris List, fantastic. He's one of the one of the premier minds in, in fantasy sports right now, in my opinion. And maybe maybe that's just the company guy talking, but I, I really do value a lot of his opinions. And he said for a while now that kickers maybe are the, the different example. Normally you'd be not taking a kicker super high either. Justin Tucker is the guy that he's he's always high on and he's like a transcendent kicker, so therefore you could take him a few rounds too early or like the fourteenth or fifteenth round, right? Instead of yeah. the very last two. I don't agree with that process, and I don't agree with that process when it comes to defense because we've seen the Bears be just average, whereas if you're picking up whoever plays the Dolphins through that week's one through eight stretch or whoever was playing uh, the Cardinals offense at some points too, like mm-hmm. you can identify great matchups and get great value without having to waste a high uh, wire priority pick. Like the Raiders' defense, perfect example last week. They've kind of come into their own now as a pass rush and been able to get to the quarterback. But they played some pretty cupcake games. They have some more to get to come. And you could have them for free off the mm-hmm. waiver wire yeah. for most of the season. And you could apply that for streaming defenses throughout most of the year. In fact, 
frankly, a streaming defense was probably the more valuable pickup that we've seen thus far. And you could name any one of them, whether it be maybe the Patriots weren't drafted into shallow league, or you might have stumbled into a 49ers defense that has been excellent for most of the season. Like those, those types of teams are out there, and those options have been out there for the waiver wire now in a while. And, and it's, again, a reason why I continue to tell people do not take the defense so high because you are jeopardizing having a different impact player at a position of need, whether it be running back, wide receiver, tight end, we've seen them now. Lamar Jackson might be the biggest example this season yep. that you could have been debating between a defense and Lamar Jackson. Well, that's a horrible call unless you took the Patriots one, and then you you got lucky in that case. So mm-hmm. this is this is just me standing on there ranting again to anyone out there that's saying, oh, I need to fill up my lineup, and I, I draft with those people all the time where they have to go get at all quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, defenses before they even consider taking their bench. This is the prime example where the Bears just aren't that same defense we saw last year and have not been worth that high pick. And that's the thing. And, two with defenses, things change during the season, obviously. And, yes, our popular trend early on in the season was start whoever's playing the Miami offense. Well, here's the thing. That Miami offense, they're starting to score points now. So now that trend's starting to get debunked, and now I guess you play whoever's playing Washington or Cincinnati. But that's the thing with the defenses. These trends, they always change. So, yeah, you could stick with them for a couple weeks, but – the problem is you're going to have to adjust with that some down, somewhere down the line. Yeah, exactly. And, okay, well, think about it a different way, too. So you mentioned the Bengals. They're a perfect target, and they were exactly why you went, took the Raiders this past week. Yeah. How about the Broncos, who randomly inserted a, uh, you know, a, a quarterback that probably shouldn't be starting in the NFL, Brandon Allen, mm-hmm. and we had no idea. The same goes for why Ryan Finley's the starting quarterback for the Bengals. When you're drafting in the middle, late, early August, you're not anticipating these franchises making boneheaded decisions like they're doing, but it happens. And it happens every single year yes. to the point where you can basically rely on one of these teams making a poor decision or an injury occurring where, you know, like the Packers' offense last year where Deshaun Kaiser starting. Well, of course, you could take advantage of those things. And they happen consistently to the point where wasting a high pick on the Jaguars from years past or the Bears' defense or the Rams' defense never makes sense because just statistically speaking, they cannot be – as consistent or as dominant as they have been. And I, I will apply that same logic to the Patriots when we have the same conversation yes. six months from now or whatever, I guess eight months from now. I'm horrible at math and certainly eight <laughs> months too, so it's a bad combination. But, you know, when we're having the same conversation again in August about the Patriots defense, do not make the same mistake. And I see, I see people make it every single year. Yeah. I mean, but that's the thing. You went off of this year, you had the Rams and the Jaguars coming in, you know, last year. And they weren't, you know, they weren't what they were built up to be. Yeah, they put up some points. But, yeah, Bears this year. And, yeah, going into the draft next year, it's going to be all Patriots hype. And, again, I, I I don't buy it. I'm with you on this. I agree with you 100% on that. Don't buy the defensive hype. Never take them in the ninth or tenth. You know, the last two rounds is always a good time to take a defense. That's what I think. Oh, yeah. And I've, I've gotten a little bit lucky in – if you were taking them even a little bit earlier, like I, I, I've been in a lot of deep drafts at the end of August, so I'm thinking those pretty clearly. But I was targeting guys like DJ Chark or John Ross with those second to last picks. You can get strategic with it. It doesn't have to be the very last pick for a defensive kicker all the time. But when you're looking at the different advantages, an eight round difference, eight round, like I think the average, the average selection for the Bears uh, defense on ESPN leaks was eighth or ninth round. Yeah. Whereas you're taking the Patriots and uh, even take 14 or 15, round 14 or 15. It's just a monumental choice. And again, you could have had a Lamar Jackson around that range. You could have had a number of quarterbacks, frankly, around that range. And receiver has been a little bit more prominent at that spot. Running back certainly has it. That after round five, round five of the running back position, you're kind of going through the minefields. But all this to say, you 
can find value at much more important positions and ones that don't change as frequently as the defense if you just wait and are patient and strategic in making those choices instead of, oh, well, I need to fill my lineup. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll take the Bears. Yep. And again, I just, just try to avoid that, please. If there's anything that we can take away from the next couple of weeks that I'm doing this podcast with you, just don't reach on the defense so early when you're doing drafts again in August. Yes. And that's the thing you can learn from next year, guys. Don't, don't be doing that. We've been tarping on it all season long. Joe Bartlegan joining us, rotowire.com. Uh, another storyline, and, you know, Seahawks, they were on a bye last week. Uh, they're coming back this week. You know, obviously, Russell Wilson, they got a very favorable matchup against the, a bad Eagles secondary. Uh, the question I want to ask, though, Josh Gordon, uh, does he see any more, you know, balls come his way this week? I know Lockett still, I think he still has that questionable take on this week coming off the bye. Uh, do you see him, you know, in late season edition, people probably wondering how do I approach him because, again, it's Josh Gordon. You never know. It's not always a reliable start. What do you see there? I want to walk back just a little bit before we attack the Josh Gordon question. Yeah. Are we certain the Eagles' defense is that bad? And and, and the, okay. just the, the recency bias in my mind, but I've watched – of course, Tony Romo breaking down. And anytime you can watch Tony Romo announce the game, you need to do it. So I was watching the Patriots-Eagles game pretty intently this past week. And the secondary looked better. It looked mm-hmm. healthier. They kept mentioning that a couple times. And perhaps the Patriots, um, not, not dink and dunk, but they don't, they don't really tack deep. And that's where we've seen the Eagles get burned in the past. But I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if they're, when they're finally getting healthy and coming into their own to the point where it's not you know, a, a convincing argument that, He's cool there. The Eagles' defense is just going to yield a ridiculous amount of points. Yeah. You saw the Bears have been pretty uh, anemic as of late, and they played them last time, and they didn't do a lot. The Bills' offense wasn't fantastic either, and that was really the first turning point that you saw. Like, oh, this is going to be a great match for Josh Allen. He's going to do fantastic, and that wasn't necessarily the case. I wonder if we're getting to the point where the Eagles are just an okay defense and not a very bad defense. And even if that's the case, I mean, Russell Wilson's been fantastic, so you can't not play him. Mm-hmm. But I'm seeing him going, like, number one or two overall in terms of projected uh, fantasy quarterbacks this week. And I think that might be a tad bit aggressive, given what we saw this, this past week alone against the Patriots' offense that you would have imagined would do well. And that just ended up not being the case. So, may, sure, Russell Wilson still – I mean, you can't – if you have him, and I'm maybe blessed this is me bragging a little bit, I have Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson, so I'm not, like mm-hmm. – spreading which quarterback you have to play, but it's not an automatic choice when you use Wilson over Lamar. And, and I, I think I'll probably be debating that throughout the, throughout the next days or so coming into that matchup. Going back to the um, Josh Gordon thing overall, and I think that's a very good question to ask. It seems as of right now that Tyler Lockett is going to play. So if that's the case, it's Lockett, D.K. Metcalf, Jacob Hollister, maybe yeah. is the third option, mm-hmm. and Gordon is the fourth. How many times are the Seahawks really going to be passing the ball for the fourth option in the passing attack to make a difference. We've seen it with the Chargers, right? They have, they have such a shallow targetry where the Keenan Allens, Mike Williams, Austin Ecklers, and Hunter Henrys all have significant fantasy viability every single week. I don't know if we could say the same thing about it. However, the Eagles' defense in particular has been good at stopping the run, and I think that's where you could convince me in an argument that Gordon is worth maybe a wide receiver three or flex start this week now. Again, with all those teams on by, I think the Chargers, Chiefs, Cardinals, really the primary three of those, you have the Vikings and Delvin Cook, you might be having to finagle some things at the flex spot, too. That's where it makes some sense to have Gordon come into play. I've, I've been a truther of uh, Josh Gordon to start this season. I was saying on, on SiriusXM on the radio in a few clips that I had where 
I would be fine and comfortable taking him round six, seven, eight. Yeah. But I should preface that I had never been burned by Josh Gordon before this point, so I had no animosity towards him. The potential was there in an offense that I thought would need to feature a big receiver with the Keel Harry out with Rob Ron Gronkowski retired. Mm-hmm. That never happened, and I think at this point you have to be a little bit concerned as to what kind of rhythm Josh Gordon can really get into with Russell Wilson. It only took multiple injuries to the wide receiver position for Gordon to do anything in their last game against the 49ers. Yes, yeah. he had some pretty critical catches in that overtime game. But I don't know if it's enough for me to say I need to have Gordon starting this week. Maybe he's worth rostering if I'm rolling the dice for a playoff spot or like, you know, having trying to predict something down the road. I just don't know if it's like a, a must-start that people might assume after looking at the Eagles' defense and whatever else. Up next, I want to talk about the big Sunday nighter, 49ers and Packers. Again, it's uh, out in San Francisco. It's an Aaron Rodgers homecoming game. So does we know how he acts when he goes back home. He always wants to put up a big game. So is he guaranteed huge numbers this week? Yeah, and I was going to say, I know the Packers are now traveling two days ahead of time. Or, sorry, a day. They, they changed the... The, um, yeah, no party schedule from the chart. Yeah, so no, no <laughs> complaints from Rogers. And and I I talked about that with a couple of friends after that disappointing loss to the Chargers. And I said it just felt like a rookie coach making a weird decision when it comes to the travel stuff. And and maybe that was convoluted because of Aaron Rodgers' quotes on the game where they were saying that they they didn't prepare enough over the last forty eight hours to make a difference. I I think this is going to be a closer game than maybe some people might anticipate. The spread is only three, so yeah. I mean, in, in that case, I, it's it's a dead, it's a pick 'em if it's a neutral advantage. I have to imagine that the 49ers pass rush is going to give Aaron Rodgers and company problems. We saw it with the Chargers, with just two of them, and Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa wreaking havoc against what you thought was one of the better offensive lines in the National Football League. I have to have faith that after a bye week, they're going to have some plans and they under, understand and identify their weaknesses on the offense. They're going to move the ball, but to say Aaron Rodgers is going to be lighting it up because it's a homecoming game and against the 49ers defense that has been inconsistent. I mean, the Cardinals have taken advantage of them two separate occasions now. It, it feels it feels a little bit off to me. I, I wouldn't buy into that logic necessarily. The, the game script that I'm comfortable saying could occur for Aaron Rodgers to be a fancy successful option is if the 49ers offense is moving the ball effectively. And at least for the past six, seven weeks now of the Packers defense, has there been anything that convinces you that they're going to stop their opponent at all from moving the ball? No. no. I, I, exactly. There's, there's no way that I feel great saying Packers defense is going to shut down the 49ers, especially with the emergence of Debo Samuel, which gives Jimmy Garoppolo what, a third or fourth option now yeah. to be an efficient passer. And I think Tevin Coleman might do okay. Of course, the Packers defense has been inconsistent, and that's probably a compliment to call them right now in terms of run defense. But I've been really disappointed with how they've been handling shallow passing routes, particularly with the Tyreek Hills and the DJ Moores of the world and those guys that are fast. Samuel doesn't have that same speed, and certainly Emmanuel Sanders doesn't either. But they're enough of a concern for me, and certainly George Kittle is a concern, where I think the offense for the 49ers is going to move the ball a lot, and it's going to end up being a shootout, potentially, unless, unless there is an early turnover like we saw in that Cowboys game where Amari Cooper dropped that ball and Jair Alexander had it fall right to his arms. That's the type of thing where you could see the Packers' offense then taking advantage of the turnovers. So that's really the only way I think this is not going to be a shootout. And it's just hard for me to predict that's going to occur. So, yeah, I, I guess top 10, long-winded answer of Aaron Rodgers at quarterback fantasy, sure. But I think more than I think is maybe a bit of a stretch to assume. Now what about the backs? Uh, do you like Jones or Williams, either one or the other in this matchup? I, I've had to start Williams uh, this past week 
yeah, like leading into this week, if only because there's so many bye week options that are, yeah. are going to be troublesome. But I wouldn't say I need to use him outright. I think Aaron Jones and his role in the offense, I have to imagine they're going to be able to incorporate away with both Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones being effective with this bye week stretch. If there was if there was no bye week, I'd be a little bit more concerned about Jones's workload. But I have to trust in the coaching staff, and maybe it's just being the Packer home, or although I really try not to be if that's the case. But assuming that they can get both those talented guys involved, and I, I, I'm not worried about Devontae Adams against Sherman. I think he's going to do well enough, and I think Aaron Jones, even, even as a runner, but certainly as a receiver, is going to get more involved than we've seen in the past weeks to the point where you can't not play him. Maybe you can only assume running back two production instead of you know top five, which yeah. he's done a few times with those touchdowns that he's gotten. But he's going to be enough of an asset again that I think you can you can safely start him. All right, getting into more of the Week 12 matchups now. Joe Bartle, rotowire.com. Who do you like at running back this week? Yeah, I was I – was, uh, we'll talk about more when it comes to the defenses, but I, I feel like during my Eagles rant, I really missed a prime opportunity to hit the listeners early on with one of my top pickups. I, I do think that a guy like Devin Singletary – you would think against the Broncos defense isn't going to be something you need to start. Mm-hmm. But the Bills have been quietly pretty effective, and I am of no believer of Brandon Allen in terms of the, the Broncos offense. I am of Noah Fant and, and certainly to Cortland Sutton, so those two guys alone might be enough to move the ball a little bit. But I think this is going to be a really rugged ground-and-pound contest, and that really aids a guy like Devin Singletary, who has been productive getting the yards, just hasn't fallen into the end zone. And I think we're overdue for something like that to occur. We have him ranked number 18. I think if you're you're considering Devin Singletary, you probably have to put him in your lineup, and it might not be a guy you'd assume automatically, but this could be a better spot for him than most people anticipate. And who's another running back you like this week? I like Darius Geis, and okay. I, I'm yep. just really, really, really hoping that the coaching staff of the Redskins yeah. watch those final eight minutes of that game and yes. didn't fall asleep or turn off or throw it in the trash can like they probably should have and saw what kind of explosive player Darius Geis can be. We know that they knew that at least – the Jay Gruden coaching staff did to start the season because Adrian Peterson was a healthy and active. They weren't anticipating using him at all in that first contest, and then guys get hurt. This guy is clearly the most explosive player, even over Terry McLaurin, on the Redskins' offense. And this matchup against the Lions certainly appears to be a prime-time opportunity for him to really break out. And I anticipate that they're going to be time-sharing with Adrian Peterson a little bit, at least to start. But I'm hoping after they're trailing by two touchdowns in the second half, that they realize they just need to get the best player on the field. Yeah. And Geis is one of their best players overall on the roster, offense or defense. And I feel comfortable saying he's at least getting you six to seven points. And that's all you need from a running back to reflect with all these guys on by right now. I'm with you, Joe. I, if they, if the coaches there in Washington didn't see what you know what a difference he made when he was in the game as to when they were trying to get AP involved, I mean, it's just... I, I I know they're going to have a coaching change, a new coaching staff there, but I think some of those guys, if they can't recognize that uh, XFL may be on their future, I don't right. know. Right. What, what, what else do they do? They, they, they clearly should not be at this capacity. They can't see the explosiveness. And yeah. He completely bailed out Dwayne Haskins, and you talk about a quarterback that uh, for three-fourths of the game, or I guess really more like four-fifths of the game, was completely inept in terms of fantasy production, uh-huh. was able to turn around and be a top-16 option because of Darius Geis' breaking up a long screenplay, and then kind of being a factor towards the, towards the stretch. I just, I just don't think – I don't know how you could not see that final conclusion of that bad game against the Jets and say, oh, yeah. we need to have Darius Geis off the field. Like, no, he's yeah. very clearly the best option they have. All right, wide receivers this week. Who you like? I love Jamison Crowder. And we've, we've all mm-hmm. seen the statistics now for uh, what Crowder can do with Sam Darnold. I think he's gotten over 15 PPR points in every single game Darnold started. I don't anticipate he's going to continue to catch touchdowns. That's kind of been an added bonus onto 
Crowder's repertoire, but he's quietly snuck into top 30, top 25 range where you're probably drafting him around 15, 16, 17 along those DJ Charks, John Rosses. And I think it's quite clearly that Jamison Crowder is the number one receiving option. And to the extent, I think Ryan Griffin, we can talk about tight ends too, deserves a mention in that equation. But he's very clearly pushed out Robbie Anderson. And I think Demaryius Thomas has also kind of usurped uh, Robbie Anderson as the go-to threat for the Jets. So Crowder, to me, is a top 20, top 25 wide receiver that you can comfortably start in your lineup. He's not quite to the plug-and-play range. Like, I think it helps that they're playing a, a pretty dismal uh, Raiders secondary that's missing two safeties now for a second consecutive week. But there's enough there, and I think the Jets' offense has been able to move the ball enough where I feel comfortable saying you can't really take Crowder out of your lineup right now. So he's a guy I like. I also like Terry McLaurin, and, and maybe I'm anticipating – a Redskins offensive resurgence that shouldn't be predicted given how badly they played for three-fourths of the game last week. But this is against the Lions defense seems defeated. They're, of course, starting a backup quarterback at Jeff Driscoll, who has done okay. But, uh, you know, game script-wise, I can't imagine it's going to be that productive offensively. And they're going to be in good field position for much of this contest. So Darius guys, Terry McLaurin, two guys that I think need to be trended up a little bit higher than they're currently going, given what figures to be a decent enough offensive opportunity for the Redskins against the Lions defense that just isn't good on all levels right now. All right, at quarterback this week, uh, you know, maybe with some of the guys lower down the line, who are you looking at this week? Yeah, this is blasphemy to say as a Packers fan, but I think Jimmy Garoppolo probably needs to be in that conversation. Like, if you're considering between the, uh, not Jameis Winston's the world, but the Nick Foles or Carson Wentz or even Ryan Fitzpatrick, Garoppolo needs to be much higher than them, in my opinion. Again, there's nothing that I've seen from the Packers defense as of late that makes me convinced they're going to stop anybody, much less Jimmy Garoppolo, who's now getting into a rhythm, could have his star tight end back as well. Uh, and I think he's going to be a pretty close to top ten option, which is which is saying something because it's very deep right now. Again, the Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Drew Brees, Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan's the world, Dak Prescott, how can I forget him after what he's done lately? They're, they're very clearly in that upper tier, but I think Garoppolo is going to push for that. Another guy that I like really uh, like quite a bit, and I know it's going to be painful for a lot of people, including myself, but this is the time for Baker Mayfield really to get things going. And yeah. I didn't want to mention Odell Beckham in that receiving option because it's Odell Beckham, right? Late first-round pick in most drafts. Well, he's You're- down there, too. I've noticed his price in some of them. It, it is way down. And I, against Miami, I'm like, i got to roll the dice on it. I've been benching Odell Beckham in quite a few places when I've had him the last few weeks. This is the final stretch, I think, for uh, like Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield really to go off. Like, If you had kept Baker Mayfield on the roster or if he was available, I think in Yahoo Leaks when we did the Tuesday podcast yesterday, he was only, he was only rostered in 50, 54% of the league. So if he's out there, I think he's an immediate start in a lot of different uh, places right now. And the Dolphins' offense obviously has been doing better, but their defense quite, hasn't quite caught up yet. They play the Dolphins this week. Steelers next week, okay, fine. But then the Bengals in Week 14, Cardinals in Week 15. Mm-hmm. That's a, a trio, whether you consider Jarvis Landry in that equation or not, that almost needs to be automatic starts in three of the four most critical weeks of the fantasy playoff season. And I think as a result, you've got to imagine Baker Mayfield's going to be able to produce some fantasy numbers that he hasn't done for much of the season. Again, three straight weeks now, though, with at least 19 or more fantasy points, that was against the Broncos, against the Bills' defense, and against the Steelers' defense. Two of those three are ranked number four and three respectively in terms of fantasy points allowed to the quarterback spot. At tight end this week, who do you like? Well, I was all in on Ross Dwelly, uh, and that ended up working out pretty well thanks to some touchdowns that he's able to score. I imagine George Kittle comes back. If he comes back, do not worry about a re-injury. Even if he ends up getting hurt in the first half, 
I think he's probably going to get five and 50 yards. It's like I, I very much anticipate Kittle having his way against a very slow linebacking core for the Packers. So don't worry about that. And if Kittle's out again, I feel comfortable saying Dwelly's going to at least be a quality pickup option. I talked about the Jets offense, Jameson Crowder in particular. Sam Darnold probably is worth that conversation. There's still so many other Baker Mayfields mm-hmm. of the world uh, that I like at quarterback spot. But I do think that offense can do enough against the Redskins where Ryan Griffin becomes a viable option. Like, we have him ranked number five. Think about that. Ryan Griffin, who you probably hadn't heard of yes. up to three weeks ago, yeah. is a top five fantasy tight end this week. That's because the Kyle Rudolph and the uh, Travis Kelsey's are out, right, and Hunter Henry, too, are out. Mm-hmm. And you can't use him. So you're really struggling. Noah Fant had 11 targets this past week. He's against the Bills' defense, which allows the eighth fewest fantasy points to tight end spot. So it's not great. But when somebody's getting that much workload and a, a position that's really been so uh, week in and week out changing wise, yeah. I don't know why you can't just look at those target numbers and say, all right, if I have to roll a dice with the Kelsey Hunter Henry's out, I might as well go with a guy that's explosive that can rip off a long touchdown we saw a couple weeks ago and is getting enough volume that even in a bad spot with Brandon Allen throwing to him, I feel comfortable saying he can be a top 10 guy. They even used him at running back. I mean, they pitched it to him in a motion play, but that's how much you know they they feel for Fant in that offense, and they're they're getting him more involved. And that's got to be a nice thing if you're picking him up down the stretch. That they, they're they're targeting him in the offense. They're not going away from him. They're keeping adding him more plays to him. Yeah, I think the Broncos are just lacking athletes at yes. the receiver spot, and yeah. certainly after trading away DeBerry's Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders in the two consecutive seasons now, it really has been the Cortland Sutton show and then hoping those younger receivers, whether it be Deshaun Hamilton or somebody else, emerge. And we haven't really seen that. Patrick, I think it's Tim Patrick, has done okay, but not enough to the point where you can't have a guy that runs a 4-4-40 out there, not on the field doing things. And I think, again, it's a a positive value for dynasty owners in particular to see Fant do so much this season. Both Hawkinson and Fant really weren't going to be guys and they've been guys at times, which probably is more of a indictment to the tight end position overall. Mm-hmm. But I think Fan is a considerable option this week in particular with so many guys on by. Well, we've talked about it. Defenses, who do you like this week? Can I give you my, my hot pickup, my biggest tip of advice, and it actually not be a, a pickup this week? Yes. Is, is that fair? Okay. That is fair. The Eagles defense, which is probably available in most formats. Like if you're listening to this right now, Go ahead and click on your fantasy uh, league, whatever else out there, yep. and check. I have to imagine the Eagles defense is not or is available most places. They play the Seahawks this week. Obviously, you're not starting them against the Seahawks. Like I, I wouldn't recommend that. And as much as we talk about the Eagles being improved, I don't think they're that improved. I think it's going to be uh, a situation where you're going to avoid them. In the fantasy playoffs, they play the Dolphins, Week 13, Giants, Week 14, Redskins, Week 15, this is a defense that's available in almost every league right now that plays three of the worst teams in the most critical stretch of the fantasy season. If you are not picking them up at this exact moment when you're listening to this, I don't know what you're doing. And, and in most leagues that I'm playing them, I've already got them. Like they, I've been looking ahead of the stretch and saying, okay, this could be a difference maker in terms of the position and, and streamlining in particular. Go pick up the Eagles defense, if not for this week, for next week. So that, that's my biggest pickup overall and one that I recommend to a lot of people. It's crazy to think about that we're at right now with free agents overall available, but the defense next week is one of the top pickups. That's how strongly I feel with those three points that they have coming up in a pivotal moment of the fantasy season. Joe, I love it. Of course, people can get more of that great knowledge that you and Jake have every Tuesday, right? Yes, yeah. We do the podcast every Tuesday. Uh, 
we identify many of the waiver wire pickups for the Bo Scarboroughs of the world, uh, the, the Williams of the world for the Colts and John, uh, Jonathan Wilkins as well. We talked about all that as well. I also won my Culver's board. I was going to ask with, you about uh, it. Yes. Yep. Yeah, he presented the Culver's gift card to me with a bow on it as well. So it was wonderful. Uh, I haven't shared the image yet, but I definitely need to. Thank you, Dwayne Haskins, for coming through. Thank you, Darius Geis, for really helping him out yeah. uh, and proving Kyle Allen wrong and all those naysayers out there. Dwayne Haskins can be a maybe fancy relevant quarterback someday down the road. <laughs> well, Joe, again, thanks for your time this week. We'll check in with you again uh, before Turkey Day, all right? All right, sounds great. Thanks for having me on. Once again, a big thank you to Joe Bartle, rotowire.com, helping us break it down here week 12 as we get ready for a huge week. You think about it, only a month left here until the fantasy season is over. So, again, definitely crunch time here. Wish you best of luck this week. Hopefully we can help you out with a little bit. You can always follow us on Twitter as well at DraftThatGuy. If you have any of those sit or start questions, we'll do our best to answer them and help you get that best lineup out there this week because, yeah, definitely crunch time. We are in it. Again, you can always give us a review wherever you get your podcast from. And thank you so much for taking time out and uh, checking us out each week. We really do appreciate it. Thanks again for checking out the Fantasy Football Zone podcast. Have a great day. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.